Hey, this is Steve, and welcome back to another episode of Restless, the podcast. You know, it's been a while since we've been on the air, and our last time was with Les Vogel, Dr. Les Vogel, who shared a perspective from a Jewish perspective of how, as Christians, we can have a much more enriched journey with Christ by understanding where our roots came from, and we've had a lot of good feedback about that. If you want to get up with us, if you want to contact us, if you want to share your story on this podcast, it's, it's easy. You can go to our website, restlesspodcast.com, and there's a little section there that says, Tell Your Story. Go there and leave us a little bit of information about yourself, because we would love to hear from you. Because, you know, every person's story is like their own fingerprints. They're unique, and they tell something of a fantastic journey about your life, and they also give others who may have share some of the things that you're struggling with, hope for tomorrow. Luke, we have a, a guest with us tonight that I've long since wanted to be here who has kind of been a sage over a period of time, even in mentoring me. And, and uh, this wisdom, particularly in the last two decades, how all this culmination of his life and his leadership has just kind of really morphed into something I think is really unique. And it's a privilege for us to have Newt Hetrick with us tonight to share some of his life journeys, particularly in the sense of how relationships are significant to us as, as people being created by the Lord God above and from a biblical perspective and a personal perspective. So, Luke, I really welcome Newt on with us tonight. In this episode, which is a rogue wave— we hope you enjoyed the last one, but this is episode is a rogue wave. We hope you like that intro as well. Luke? Uh, welcome back, everybody. This is Luke. Uh, this is rogue wave number two, uh, Restless for Relationship. And as Steve was saying, uh, I get the pleasure of introducing Newt. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Newt has a very long history of working in relationship-driven fields. His whole life has just been dedicated to the idea of developing relationships with others. He was in Young Life working with kids for over 20 years. He then spent some time working in the church as a camp ministries director. Following his departure from the church, he joined Search Ministries for several, several years, doing outreach and apologetic-style ministry. He then returned home to Young Life for another 20 years as regional director, and during this time, Newt had the opportunity to travel and reach out to university students in China. He taught English and sh shared the good news of the gospel with those living under oppression. After Newt retired from Young Life, he immediately joined Priority One, which is a men's-focused outreach built completely around the idea of cultivating new relationships and heavily investing in the lives of men who are very hungry for purpose, meaning, and value. Luke, and I think those three words kind of just really solidifies who this guy is. And at the end of the day, well, I think, Newt, you would say at one time, even with Young Life, you're a company guy— but I've seen over the years, just in your work with men and outreach to them, that at the end of the day, when the wash is all done, it's about relationships between us and how significant they are. That in some way, as you've showed me and taught me, is that that's how we're wired. And anything short of that just kind of misses the mark. But it's in relationships that we get those things of purpose, meaning, and value. And I see that more and more, particularly in our latter years, how the guy yourself has just said, hey, well, let's just step back for a second and, and look what this is really all about. And uh, I've really enjoyed um, our time together that we do from time to time. And I think it'd be just a 
privilege tonight just to hear what you have to say about relationships. How how are relationships significant from a biblical context and, and a personal one? Yeah. Well, thanks, first of all, for having me. I, I consider this a great honor to be with you and Luke. And, we consider uh, it a great honor. Indeed. <laughs> well, thanks. Well, when I think about relationships, you're right. It has been um, sort of the heartbeat of my life over the years in ministry. And, um, you know, when everything's said and done, I can't think of anything that's more important than building friendships and relationships, allowing people to know who you are in the journey and to be able to know others in the journey. Because apart from that, there isn't a whole lot left. And when I think about the biblical perspective of that, I think of um, the, just from the very beginning, um, the Father was in a relationship with the Son and the Spirit, and they created the world and all that is in it. And then we find the Lord coming into the history of the world via his presence. You see it in the Old Testament, and you see it in the New Testament. God took the initiative. The Father took the initiative. He always has taken the initiative. And, uh, and we see that in the person of Jesus. And in that context of relationships, he teaches us what relationships are about. Uh, in terms of our personal relationship with him and the journey of life and how that plays out in relationships, not only with him, but also with others. And so we have the privilege of modeling, mirroring these relationships that we have. And it says something about a relationship we should have with the Father and with the Son and the Spirit. So, all that being said, uh, that's what I've been about over the years as I've come in contact with brothers like yourself, building that relationship, not being very perfect at it. I, uh, there are a lot of moments that I wish I had, would take back. But, you know, that's part of the journey, too, because you learn from that. And, uh, and you mentioned that earlier in your introduction. Um, but, you know, being, being with high school folks and having the privilege of building those relationships that would last a lifetime, really. There are still people that I come in contact with that I knew way back in the 1970s that, um, that were life-giving. Mm. And uh, and I still bump into those relationships one way or another. Mm. So it's part of what God created us to be because he is relational. We are relational, whether we understand that or accept that or not. Yeah. Now, do you, just over the course of the years that you've been involved with this and reaching out to, to men and, and all, all groups of people— mm. What's some of the difficulties in, in this biblical concept of relationships that you've ran across? I mean, 
at the end of the day, aren't we wired in such a way that we, we kind of long for them, even though we sometimes don't do very good at it? Yes, we are. That is the way we're wired, absolutely. We're brought into this world. We were conceived in a relationship, um, and we're brought into the world longing for relationships and intimate relationships. Uh, the problem, of course, is we live in a fallen world, mm. and sin abounds. And sin has a way of interrupting our relationships the way they were created to be. And that's why we need to have a Savior, because he teaches us a little bit about what forgiveness is all about, mm. how we can begin to develop deeper, longing relationships. Even in, in uh, the human experience of finding the one who uh, we want to give ourselves to in a marital situation. But that doesn't come naturally. That's something you learn from. And we learn that not only through experience of giving ourselves, but there are some biblical principles of what relationships are about. And that category as well, which overflows, therefore, into other relationships. So to say that we're relational beings is an understatement. We really are. And it behooves us in our journey of life to develop those relationships. And someday we'll have a deeper relationship with the one who created us when we go to be with him and he calls us home. And some of us will meet him a tad sooner than others. I'll probably be there before you, but I will be there to welcome you guys into that relationship. Be well, a great day. Of course, we don't know how that all will end up at the end, so to speak, Newt, but if that were the case, boy, it would be, uh, again, it would be another honor just to have you there. But hey, we're not sure who's going to go first on that one, so we'll leave that where it is. <laughs> You know, um, but years ago in young life, there was this saying to, uh, I think it was called, to win the right to be heard. You remember that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. God, you're the one who probably came up with no, it. No, but I don't think so, but yes, I remember it well. When it comes to kid, but I think it, it's applicable <clears throat> to anybody in many Absolutely. respects. What does it mean? To win the right to be heard? Yeah. Well, in the context of friendships, there's trust, and there's love, and there's commitment, and there's communication. And in that context, as that begins to play itself out, I win the right, as do you in that relational component, to be able to share what's really on your heart and who you are. Mm. So certainly... In those years with working with high school students, I won the right to be heard just by being with them. Not having them come to me, but I went to them. And in that, um, had the privilege of sharing the story of Jesus hmm. in a non-threatening way. And it's the same way with men today. Uh, as I build friendships and relationships with men, they get a chance to share share with me what's on their hearts, 
as do I with them. So it's it's part of that is part of the journey, and it's part of what makes life connected in a real way. Hmm. I can't imagine living life alone. Can you? I mean, isn't that what it's all about? When everything's said and done, we we've got to have those kinds of relationships and friendships. Well, how do you make them? I mean, how how do you? Listen, we live in a very difficult world today where social media, and I'm not here to rag on social media, but our face-to-face communication skills aren't as good as they used to be because of social media and our at-a-distance perspective with people. How do you build good relationships? And not just, let me chime in, and not just social media, but, and I'm guilty of this and becoming a little bit more aware of it recently, most of my communication with people now is text messaging. And as I become kind of more consciously aware that that has been my primary line of communication, I, I, I can't at least say I have grown more sick of it and have been trying to at least do more phone calls maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we want to hear each other's voice. Yes. We need it. And um, your original question is, or was, what do we do in the in the context of this world situation where it seems like uh, building relationships becomes a, a tad more difficult? Uh, and it takes initiative. You, we have to be people who take initiative. Again, that's what our Heavenly Father did. He took the initiative. And uh, in the person of Jesus, he took the initiative. He became one of us. And so... If we want to build relationships and friendships, we need to be proactive in taking the initiative of wanting to have a friendship and a relationship with someone. And, and it is true, it's, it's far more difficult, I think, today because we live in such an impersonal world. Um, but if we don't take the, the initiative to do so, those of us who would name the name of Jesus, then who will? You know, and, and, uh, and In a real way, anyway. My apologies for interrupting, but that reminds me, as you say, that initiative. Mm-hmm. If we think of in the Garden in Genesis, after the fall, who was it who came looking for Adam and Eve? It was, it was God, right? He took the initiative to even knowing fully what had happened to come looking for them. Mm-hmm. What does that say about us then? Well, I'm not sure exactly what you're asking, but it, it certainly says about us, we, we have a tendency uh, because of our natural inclinations to want to be independent from God. And um, it's part of the, it's part of the uh, dilemma and our sinful nature is to say, I, I want to be, be the God of my life. Mm. I want to do my own thing. I think I know better than he does. What are what my needs are when the opposite is absolutely absolutely true, and so the Lord looks comes looking for us. He he always has looked for us. He keeps on knocking at the doors of our lives and saying to us, "Come, hmm. open the door. I'll come into you." Hmm. Uh, it's what John fifteen five is about. It's about a relationship, a vine and a branch. And um, 
and apart from him, we, we can do nothing, it says. So um, when we share his life and he shares our lives, then we become fruitful, have purpose. We have life. We're no longer lonely. Things begin to make sense. So, I don't know, does that make sense for you? It makes Mm -hmm. perfectly good sense. And that word initiative that you first said, that'd be point number one, I think, for folks listening out there is in development of relationships, particularly if the Spirit of God is in you, that we are people of initiative to to go looking, much like God did in the garden. Sure. And it's probably what you did when you met that special woman that you married. You took the initiative. You saw something in her that um, drew you. Um, I certainly was doing the looking, that's for sure. That's for ding, ding, (laughs) sure. And um, it's a great model. Marriage is a tremendous model of what our relationship to God is to be about. Mm. I I could say to you, um, well, Steve, I want you to ask me, are you married? And you would say, yes. No, I want you to ask me. <laughs> Here we go. Newt, are you married? Well, I wear a wedding band. Yeah, but what does that mean? Well, I wear a wedding band. Does that make me married? No. Technically, no. Yeah. Would you ask me the question again? Newt, are you married? I went to a wedding once. Does that make you married? No, I don't think so. So if you hung out in your garage, would that make you a car? <laughs> That's right. So you see, it's about it's about a relationship built on love and trust, mm. and that's what we need to do for each other as well. It's a one initiative, yeah, which involves a, a love and a trust. Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. The scripture tells us to encourage each other. And not to, not to deny or forget about meeting with each other, but to encourage each other and all the more as we see that day approaching. You know, there's really only two most important days, today and that day. Mm-hmm. They're the two most important days we have. And so we better make the most of what today is about. And if it's not about relationships, then what is it going to be about? It's either our relationship with God and our relationship to others. When uh, Luke mentioned about my time in China, it was during that time that I really embraced, mm, for the lack of a better way of saying it, my own personal vision statement, which actually became the vision statement of what, what I wanted to do there in China. But it was this, that I wanted to love God with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I wanted to love him so much it would be as best I could do, I would love him completely. And I wanted to make sure that I loved those who were in the body that I had around me to love them compassionately. And then to be able to understand that I needed to love myself correctly, 
to have a right kind of relationship with him. Well, that, that's a great thought, but, but how do you do that? I mean, right now we're in a culture where loving yourself can go in a lot of different directions. Sure. Not a more good. Right. But there are still a lot of people who have these self-image issues going on right now. How do you do that? Well, if you go back to the main point there, mm. you love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. As you do that, what plays out is not only being able to understand what it means to love those around you in the body compassionately, but he also gives you the insights to love yourself. See, you can't love yourself unless you love him. So you love him completely. You love others compassionately. You love yourself correctly. And in that context, he gives you the ability to love those who are outside of the body as best you can. And your love for them will draw them to ask you the question, what is it about your life that's so different? I don't meet people that really love God very much. Mm. I remember sitting in the office of the secretary of the Communist Party at a university. By the way, he's the most important man on that campus. Hmm. Not the president of the campus of the university, but the secretary of the party is. And he said, Newt, we get it. You love our students, and the people you bring here love our students, and they need to be loved. We know that. And he said, but I want you to keep this Christian thing down. You got to keep the Christian thing down. And I thought, yeah, and I appreciate having a friendship with you, and I will do everything I can to protect you, Mr. You. Hmm. But in terms of who we are, it's who we are. That's what it's really about. And uh, my relationship with the one and only comes through as I love other people. So we loved those students in China unconditionally. We took the initiative to do that, just as God takes the initiative to love us. So. That's how we do it. That's the way you love yourself, is to know the love of Almighty God mm. in your life, your heart. And as that flows out, your ability to love people around you, first, those who are in the body of Christ, but those who are outside the body, you are empowered to love them as well. And that's the story of the uh, book of Acts, by the way. You remember. I remember. Um, Acts, the second chapter, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to breaking of bread, to caring for each other. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
And that's an interesting thought, if I might jump in right there. They mm. were just simply just having this quality relationship time together. Yep. And there's no magic right. to it. That's right. Uh, they weren't uh, you know, going through specialized programs by which to evangelize. They did the things by loving God first, and then the Lord added to their numbers. Correct. Yeah. That's right. That's cool. I mean, Fascinating. It, it, it is. Have we somehow overcomplicated this whole relationship thing these days in organized ministry and organized church? I don't know. I, I suppose that's something that every person has to ask themselves on that one. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to go there particularly. I do know what the Lord wants for me is simply to be authentic. Mm. And uh, as best I can, to love him mm. and to love others. So, Newt, my, my question is, though, we do want to authentically love God and love others with that kind of intensity that you were describing just now. And, and hearing that you know, definitely, definitely makes my heart jump just thinking about that complete intentionality of love. However, the thing I want to ask you about and with your experience is loving, like loving, can be really hard. And it is not only are there those who are just, for lack of a better way to put it, sometimes a little bit difficult to love, yet we're still called to do so. And in following the Lord, we should also still truly desire to do so as an indicator of where our own hearts are at. But the reason I'm asking that is because in life and in culture or society today, uh, love, I think, is a very overused word, a very miscontextualized word, uh, if not an abused word. And an example I want to give, while trying to be as sensitive as possible, but just with respect to reality, because love is is real. It doesn't fantasize. It doesn't it doesn't sugarcoat. It's just the reality of something good. And we see a lot of a, a good example would be, and again, anyone listening, I'm trying to be as sensitive as I can, but there's a lot of movement in society now to just say like, oh, no matter what, I love myself, everything's fine. Even if you are very ill or poorly taking care of oneself or eating maybe in an unhealthy way. That's just one of many examples where it's like, oh, that's okay. I love myself anyway. And to that, I can't help but look and say, out of genuine care for that person, not disrespect, not any form of malice, but no, you're not. You're not loving yourself. You're not loving this person. Because the things you are doing, saying, or feeling are not for their ultimate betterment or your ultimate betterment if the subject is yourself. And uh, just from your perspective, Newt, that's what I, I want to get into is some of the just the often difficult realities but necessary ones of love that though they can be hard, though they can be painful in moments, ultimately produce healing because that's what an authentic, you know, dare I say, true love, that's what it does. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Well, there's, a, there's always a price to be paid in love. Sometimes it's time, or treasure, your talents. You, we started talking about relational ministry and winning the right to be heard. Well, you win the right to say you love someone as well. That doesn't just come. Talk is cheap. So if I was on the receiving end of your love, you could tell me all you want that you love me, but the rubber meets the road when you start showing me that you love me. Right. I think um, for me that was orchestrated very clearly for me when I was in China. I lived in China, and it was easy to say going to China, oh, I, I love, I want to go because I want to love uh, these friends, these students in China. But you know, when I got there, things are a little different once you're living there. Mm. Um, the culture is different. The social mores are so different. And all of a sudden, you realize, well, if I'm going to love these Chinese students, then I need to start thinking like a Chinese person. And so you put, uh, you, you put yourself in their position. Mm. In doing so, you are loving them. And so uh, in that context, as you find people that you uh, desire to care about, and, and there's building blocks to loving people. Mm -hmm. And those building blocks take time to develop. You have some great friends, I am sure. And some of those friends you really care about and love. And the more time you spend with them, the more that opens up those relationships and those avenues of communication. So loving someone enough to be able to say to them, perhaps, you need to consider this about loving yourself to this degree. And if you do so, you take a responsibility at that point. You're stepping out of your comfort zone to be able to say that. And you have to expect the fact that they may have, you may get some pushback. They may not exactly like everything that you're saying, but you're doing that because you care and because you love them. Right. And that will come through in one form or another if you have done all there has been, there needs to be done in terms of building that relationship of love and trust. So the building blocks need to be there. Right. And uh, so if you're going to come to me, for example, and tell me, mm, Newt, you might want to consider this. If you say you love yourself the way uh, the Lord wants you to love yourself, is this an area you need to consider? And if I trust you, I, I will take that and consider that. But if I don't know you that well and you haven't, uh, you haven't won the right to say that to me, right. you'll probably get a little pushback. 
So part of it is just time and effort, treasure, you telling me and showing me that you care and love me. There's a phrase that we've used in previous episodes, and it fits, so I'll use it again. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one that I do try to model my relationships after, which is you can fake caring about somebody, but you cannot fake showing up for them. <laughs> That's right. Sure. That's, that is true. Uh, it's interesting. Um, I have enjoyed, I guess because of my age as much as anything, becoming a somewhat of a mentor, somewhat of a mentor over some folks, mm. a watchman, mm. if you will, to watch over and to care about them. And I say this to him, it's always great to have a, a good close friend that you can share with, become real with. But I want to encourage you to have two close friends because you can fool one person. It's hard to fool two people. Mm, definitely. So, I, I would encourage you. I know you have some very close friends. Yes. Maybe one in particular, but have two. Two are better than one. They have a good reward for their toil. Thankfully, at least in my case, I, I know I can say I have actually many. So that's, that's I'm great. very, very blessed in that regard. Absolutely. And, that's and they great. all, in a sense, I, I have all said to, and this is kind of, I need to be careful about not putting my own vision into this too much, but it is my hope for others, if if that hope is correct, that they would have many to whom they can ask to to help them finish the race. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. That's the great part of the journey. There are people who you want to hook up with and put your arms around and say, "We're going through this life journey together, and we're we're running together, and there's a prize at the end." And it's great. Mm. And it's good. And part of my job as your friend, mm. Steve's friend, is to remind him of that. There, there's the, We're running a race and we're a part of a journey. But the great news is when we come to life's end, there's a great prize because of the race that we have run. And uh, we do not and, toil for nothing. You know, and heaven Heaven is going to be good. I'm not sure what that's going to look like for us. I just know it's going to be really good. Mm-hmm. Newt, if I could ask, in you having relationships with a lot of men and seeing a lot of things over the years, how where are men today in this sense of a relationship? I mean, does it ever stop the need to have someone like that who uh, you need that person to ask you those questions to to kind of mentor over them. And where are even older men today? What's going on with them? Well, I can't, I can't speak for everybody, obviously, but I can speak for me. Yep. <laughs> no, it never ends. Mm. We always need to have folks in our lives that we're moving towards and building towards. And we are the benefactors of the joy of that. So we, we do need that. Um, and we need to surround ourselves with people that can ask some good questions towards us and for us. Somehow we've gotten into the uh, mentality at times, I think, Steve, that a mentor is someone that tells you what to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think a good mentor 
or a coach is someone who knows how to ask the right questions and to draw you along the way, along the journey. So for young men, I find that most men, younger men, um, are at a place in their lives and they look at the older men and they they think, oh, they're not going to have time for me. Um, and, and I'm not too sure I can ask them questions. I'm not sure what their responses will be. And ironically enough, the older men look at the younger men and they're saying some of the same things. They're saying, they, these younger guys, they know what they're doing and the stuff that I know doesn't really pertain to them. It, it is unbelievable to me. And so there's this longing to have for the younger men to have an older man come alongside them and help them in the journey. And for the older guys, they long to be able to share some of the experiences and the things that they have long they have learned along the way. But they're afraid that the younger guys aren't going to hear them. Mm. And they're afraid to put themselves out there of being rejected, perhaps. Or <laughs> they're afraid that the stuff that they do know isn't valuable enough. When all along, it's perhaps the most valuable thing that we can give to each other as we walk along, the older guys to the younger guys, and the younger guys encouraging the older men to be more of what God wants them to be. Mm. So I don't know if that answers your question, Steve, but I, I do feel like part of what you need to do for me and I need to do for you is to encourage each other. We need, I need to encourage you to be more the man that God has called you to be in relating to the people around you mm. and to draw folks out. Just like you're doing here, this is a magnificent tool. This is, this is a great tool. I mean, that's all it is, is a tool. It's just, it is just a tool. And, uh, but what could be better than to help people grow in their understanding and to grow in their faith and their trust in the Lord than to use something like this to help them do that? But there, make no mistake about it, though, it's still that personal touch. Mm. I mean, this is a great tool, and I know it's, it's part of what people do nowadays, but that personal touch is what it's really about. Because that's the way we're wired. That's the way we're wired, and that's the way you were created. And, uh, and when God created Adam and Eve, he breathed into them life. It was the breath of life. And when we uh, came to know the Lord, he breathed on us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Almighty God. That was the breath that gives us life. Mm. So it, it, we need to have that personal touch. Um, and again, I reflect a little bit on my time in China. To come alongside those students, to get to know them, was so life-giving for me because they gave to me so much. It was like new wine in old wineskins. Mm. It, it was just so refreshing. And uh, 
And so I learned to love them, not, uh, not in the context of the American culture, mm. but in the context of who they were in China. Mm. And, and I became as who they were because mm. I lived in China. I was no longer an American. I mean, I was an American living in China. And so I gave up. In a sense, when I moved there to spend time there and live there, I gave up all that it means to live in America. There's a lot different. There's a great difference of being in China than there is being here. Um, things like rules of the road, hmm. uh, the way people treat each other. I, I, I loved being with those students. I didn't particularly love the Chinese government, but I sure loved those students because they were so open, wanting to hear what life was about. Well, relational, and that's all it was. Hmm. So you, you would say, no, that uh, we never grow out of, no matter what age, this innate desire for someone to come looking for us, to have these relationships. And no matter what age, that's just who we are. It's the fabric of, of what we're made of. Sure. And to assume that a younger generation doesn't need that from us is wrong. Right. Or to assume that they don't need it at all is wrong. Mm -hmm. Or to assume the folks who are older do not mm -hmm. need to be pursued. All you have to do is walk into um, an assisted living situation and you realize there are a lot of lonely people in there. Um, I had the incredible privilege of sharing with a 99-year-old person the gospel. And it was like newness came over her as she began to think through, you mean God loves me? She said, I, I, think, I think it's too late. I said, it's never too late. So uh, that's true across the board. It's never too late. It's never too late for a young high school student or middle school-aged student, an elementary-aged kid who's beginning to figure out what their lives are about or what makes life meaningful to a 99-year-old mm. who will soon be 100, by the way. Yeah. And even at that age, she was wondering if it was still possible, if there was still hope in, in this possibility of, of even that late age of, of, of having that kind of hope in a Savior. Is that right, that it was too late for her? She thought it was at first, but it wasn't. Mm. <laughs> and it was just wonderful to hear her respond to that and and uh, to have her talk to Jesus. I said to her, you know, I can manipulate this. I can tell you what to say, but I want you to do it. You do it, not me. Mm. And um, And so life takes place relationally first with the Lord and then with others. And it should play itself out, should it not? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, if you are saying that you love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, should that not have an incredible impact on the people that you're meeting out on the street every day and in your personal relationships, people that you already know? Hmm. Of course it will. And if it doesn't, I should ask you the hard questions why it doesn't. As a brother, it do, better it better make a difference. Do we ask those hard questions anymore? Do you? Is anybody asking you the question? Oh, you. No. Okay. <laughs> but but I mean uh, culturally even in the Christian society, are we asking hard questions? Uh, you you have through the years you know, through examples that you need to ask the hard questions. But is it happening on a broader scale? Well, you know, again, I, I, I'm i not too sure I can answer that uh, conclusively, but I do know I want to encourage you to do that, mm-hmm. and I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I want Luke to do it. And as we join hands and work, walk together in that, it'll be an encouragement for everybody. So it starts with us. And that's what I really appreciate about you. You you take aim at what's in front of you and, and don't speculate beyond that. And and that's I think that's an attitude we should should learn. <laughs> well, um I I certainly try not to be too judgmental. Mm-hmm. That that is uh something that I'm working on because I I've certainly been judgmental over the years. I can be very judging. Mm. But I I want to tell you I don't want to be now. Yeah. Life and, is too short. And you, you knew, and, and we talk mostly about men right now because that's been your focus in ministry for predominantly, with exception of young life earlier on, and that was a broader base to high school kids. But we're talking about men. You meet with professionals. You meet with men who are sophisticated, who make good money. What are some of the issues that, that let me say this, what are some of the voids that you constantly see still in their lives? There's one I'm saying that's obvious, but. Well, certainly one of them is just loneliness. Walking through our culture and not having the culture squeeze us into a mold that it wants to squeeze us into. You know, Romans 12, 2 tells us not to conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and your heart, but the renewing of your mind. And so for men today who are out in the marketplace, they're, they're looking, for, we all look for purpose. I mean, all of us do. We, we want to be fulfilled have meaning, have purpose, and to have a sense of the presence of God in our hearts and our lives, even if, for some, even if they couldn't articulate that as such, there'll be something that's most important in their hearts and lives that they're making a God. Mm-hmm. So we're all doing it. The only, the only question is, what are we doing it with or to whom or who are we putting, what are we putting 
mm-hmm. first in our lives? That's the only question. And so it is for those of us who have a sense that we're called to be ambassadors for the living God, to reach out to those who know him not, or to help those who are in the family of God, but, but they're just not resonating and having a sense of what it means to be a part of the family. Hmm. Uh, they're prodigals, just as we're prodigals. We're just beggars telling other beggars where to get food. That's all. That's mm-hmm. all I'm doing. I, I don't have any great answers to this. It, it's like um, uh, talking about this whole business of relationships. There's, there are more questions than there are answers in some ways. I, I don't know. I don't know the answers to that. Your question is a great question. I just don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. Other than the fact, it's Jesus. That's the only answer I know. So if you want me to give you an answer, I'd say look to him. Mm-hmm. Look, look to Jesus, because I know he fills our lives, and he gives us meaning and purpose. And that's what we, we all want, whether we fill it with what the world is saying is important or if we fill it with what the kingdom of God says is important. Mm-hmm. Do you see a lot of loneliness these days in men's lives? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, but I, you need to also know that they may not articulate it as loneliness. For sure. I, I would say it's loneliness, but I'm not too sure they say it's loneliness. Mm. Um, so uh, it's trickery. It's the trickery of the evil one hmm. who makes us think that our lives are either okay without having a relationship with God or it's trickery to think you're just, I'm okay. Isn't that the, isn't that the issue? I just want to be okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. You're okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, in this show, we talk about hope a lot. In, in the end, that's our, our vision. That's our question is, where does hope come from? What, what does it look like? And what do we have to hope for? And I think you've identified a lot of that since we've been together this evening. But tell us about hope. What does it look like, even particularly to men who's done it all, seen it all, got all the toys, and some, some aren't like that, but what is hope? And, and where do we find it? Well, uh, I would say hope rests in the quality of life when you know that you have a relationship with the one who created us and he gives us hope with a new sense of identity. The old is gone, the new has come. Therefore, anyone who is in Christ has this hope and can embrace a life with him. And, um, and having a strong understanding of what it means to enjoy being in his presence. Now, 
That's not a give me. That doesn't come overnight. That comes because we're proactive in our own understanding of having a relationship with the Lord. And um, it's what I want to be about. I mean, I only have so many years left in this uh, journey here on earth, and I'm going to give it my best shot to know him in deeper and in deeper ways. Because mm. that, that's where the hope is. And the, that, if I would have the privilege of coming alongside men like you and Luke, I, my trust would be, I, my hope would be that you would pick that hope up mm. because it's a quality of life. It's not something that you can buy or, or acquire um, by something you do. It comes because the Lord imputes upon you his love and his hope, and you have given over to him all the stuff of life that uh, is very difficult. But if you give it to him, he gives back. So, I, again, I'm not sure that is what you were looking for, but I do know, this I do know, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Mm -hmm. That I do know. And I know that my relationship with him is like the vine and the branch that Jesus talked about in John 15. He's the vine and I'm the branches. The man who shares, remains in him, becomes fruitful, fruitful, mm. hopeful, mm. purposeful, fruitful. And now that fruit can be good to given to nourish others. Yeah, it, it would naturally do so. And, of course, by the fruit of your life, the tree will be known. Mm. The vine will be known by the fruit because the fruit is an outpouring of what the vine gives to the branch. It's not what the branch will be known for. It's what the vine will be known for. The whole. The fruit. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the fruit. The fruit makes a statement that the vine is good. The vine is worth yeah. seeking, right. worth having. Right. That's exactly right. Does that make sense? It makes great sense. Good. So, Newt, something I was uh, thinking about, when it, when it comes to relationships, us being plugged into the vine, and how when we, when we are plugged into the vine, we, we the branch produce that kind of fruit, that fruit that can be then given to, to nourish others. Um, something I had read, actually, excuse me, watched online this week, I was talking about an article that was written about a uh, census or study, I guess you'd say, that was done in the UK. And in it, 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 it almost sounds like hyperbole because the number is so high, but supposedly it claims that in the UK among young people that 9 out of 10 of them believe their lives to be meaningless. And in other news, you, it, it, it's no secret that other studies, social outlooks are finding that 
many more often than not report being more and more lonely. And for the three of us in here, when it comes to that issue of purpose, meaning, and value in our lives, like, not that we are certainly perfect in how we think about it, but we know that in our hearts that that matter has been settled. And I think how we've been talking about relationships and how much it breaks my heart to hear something like that, to not, to wonder how supposedly up to nine out of ten have no one in their lives telling them that that kind of, that, that kind of idea that your life is meaningless is just trash. That's nonsense. That they don't have even in those relationships, at least some meaning that they grasp out of that as well. And to them, I would wonder, their friends probably going around saying the exact same things, what are those relationships even doing for them if they have such little to their own lives and to share with each other? And, yeah, I think what I'm asking you is why have we gotten to such a place in which at large people don't have those kind of relationships that don't give any meaning that that they don't have those kind of relationships that give meaning we've gotten there because we have forgotten from whence we have come We are image bearers. We bear the image of the one who created us. Now, granted, that image has been marred and stained. But nevertheless, you and I and all the folks that we know are image bearers. And when we understand that, and begin to embrace the fact that you and I were created to bear that image and to enjoy a relationship with the one who created us, then we begin to open up the doors of realizing what our purpose and meaning of life is really about. And in realizing that and in helping others recognize it, what 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 i hope and i hope that this is this is the correct thing to hope for is to see those prepared to not make the excuse of oh it's my life and i'll do whatever with it but no rather it is mine that has been given away because one it has already been bought with a great and terrible price and in the here and now i'll be that you know, to be that person who can authentically love even when it's hard, but of course at the end is enormous benefit, enormous healing, even when it sometimes can hurt. And that others might be encouraged that they would give theirs away too. That we would never hide behind a paltry excuse like, oh, it's my life, don't tell me how to live it. No, it's ours to give away. Let it be mine no longer. Yes. And, and Newt, you've talked about this relationship concept that uh, first it begins in a relationship of the Lord, to love him with all our heart, with all our mind and soul and strength. And, and in that, 
there's a joy in this for us as well. It's just not this state of constant seeking, constant giving, but in developing those relationships, you affirm that there's a joy in that too. It's something that, that raises us to new heights as well. Is that right? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. When we embrace being the image bearers, mm-hmm. that's good news. Mm-hmm. That's part of the good news. It's half of the good news. The other half of the good news is realizing the Lord came at God's initiative relationship for us. So he lived among us. He died and he rose again so that we would have life. That's the good news. And part of that communication of that is embracing it for you and I to embrace that. And as we embrace it, we become models of reconciliation. Reconciliation first uh, with our Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden we're empowered to have reconciliation with each other. So our friends who are out there who feel lonely and not having any purpose or meaning in life. They would just have an opportunity to hear. They will respond or to see with their eyes our lives, our hearts. They will respond. And how they respond is not my responsibility or yours, quite frankly. That's that's not our that's not our deal. That's between them and their Heavenly Father, how they will respond to his love. But I do know, this I know, your life and my life is to be about loving him and loving those who he places before us, mm-hmm. whether they know him or they know him not. Mm. Look, unless you got something else, I... This last question I have for new to anything on your mind. Uh, just one, one more, something simple. Uh, new for those, you know, we have a couple. I'm sure many different kinds of people listening. Some of those who are more of similar heart and mind as us, and those who are looking in and just curious about what this podcast that said it was an episode about relationships was all about. For those though who are listening, wondering about deeper relationships, even just with other friends, family, you name it. For those listening who are maybe asking that question of like the 9 out of 10 who believe their lives are meaningless, to which we would wonder, do they even have any meaningful relationships to believe such a thing? What would just be some parting words to them who maybe now do want to think about seeking something that is meaningful in relationship, even if it's just that little bit to start at to give them some extra meaning, at least having that friend that really meant something. Well, don't think that your question is a simple one. It's, it's not just a simple little, and I can't it give you- It never is. No, no, no. And I can't give you just a nice, simple little answer other than uh, to, to embrace the truth, to search the truth. And when we're looking for the truth, the truth is incarnated in the one 
and only the person of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So my word would be to search after the truth and to look for it diligently. And if you look for it diligently, you shall find it. And maybe in the process, have a couple friends go with you. And together, let's try to discover the truth. And ask the right questions. Make part of your... Um, Make part of your purpose learning to ask the right questions, which would revolve around truth, where to find truth, and who is the truth. Mm -hmm. And then you can go from there. I, I, I'm not sure if that really answers your question, no, but, I, I think but that's it, good. it's what I resonate with anyway. And uh, the folks that I meet with, I, I just want to keep pointing them. To truth. And what I what I got from that was if I were one of those people, well then maybe I can put even now some meaning into into my life. If, like you said, to take those friends and go seeking the truth, well now the meaning of those friendships are what is the truth. Yes. Uh, I think I would sit around and say, let's brainstorm for a minute. Where, where would we find truth? Mm, well, would we find it materialism in some of our big homes? Would we find it in broken relationships? Would we find it in the philosophies of the world? Would we find it in government, what men have tried to put together? Or would we find it in a loving God who is purposed in the person of Jesus to give life to people? If that's so, then... It'll help narrow where you're going to find the truth. Mm -hmm. So I think I'd eliminate what the world says is truth and look for where the real truth is. Mm -hmm. Certainly a lot of uh, dead-end streets out there. Certainly. And Jesus is not a dead-end street. No. Newt, I think that the last question I was going to ask you, I think Luke asked it and you answered it in all its fullness. And we want to thank you um, from Restless, the podcast, from Luke and myself for just being with us tonight. And again, with us is Newt Hetrick, who's a longtime guy who has been in ministry with, with men, with high school kids, has been to China, just loving uh, China students as well, and with the men again. And and not only that, this is a guy who's just journeyed life and and has got a lot of good things to say. And, and we want to thank you for being with us tonight. And we would ask that you would consider coming back at some point in time. Thank you, bud. I'll look forward to that. Thank you. It, the ball's in your court. <laughs> <laughs> we'll soon make that shot. All right. Thank you, Newt. You're welcome. Good night. Good night. Thank you for listening to Rogue Wave 2, featuring Newt, titled Restless for Relationship. We really hope that our talk has brought you comfort and helped you increase in wisdom, and that you really enjoyed your time with us today. Stay tuned, as episodic content will of course be returning soon as well. 
and be on the lookout for Rogue Wave 3 coming relatively soon. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. For we here at Restless the Podcast are restless to find the one who said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For whom is your heart restless? And whom can say unto the rogue, churning waves of your heart, Be quiet and be still. You're mending my soul.